Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, we pray that your blessing would be upon your word this morning. We thank you for the opportunity, uh, even while we are Um, going through a time of exile where we're not here in the house of God. Many of the families, uh, even so yesterday, uh, young girls were asking, Pastor, when will we be back at church? The the heart of your people is in the house of God. The heart of your people is in the gathering and the fellowship of God of those you've called out of the world. So we pray, Father God, in the coming days that you open the doors that we might return to the fellowship in the house of God, that we might return to sit at the table of the Lord and that we might contemplate your goodness in our lives. So we pray that your word this morning would be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, that your word would be a good seed planted in good hearts, a fertile soil that produces fruit which glorifies and pleases you. We pray that your word not return void. Send it out and do the work for which you have given it this morning. Father, and I pray right now also, Lord, that your word would be a double-edged sword and that would bring, Father God, a division between the soul and the spirit, that we are blessed for having your word and we're blessed for not only being hearers of your word but being doers. So allow us to walk in a manner which is consistent with respecting and revering your word above all things. We pray that you would be glorified and that you minister to us through your spirit, the impartation of your word. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. As we are preparing for uh, all manner of victory, The Bible says that there is one who stands, his name Satan, uh, which in biblical terms means adversary, the one who stands to oppose God's people. And so if we're going to overcome, the Bible says we overcome him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of our testimony, And because we did not center ourselves on selfishness, loving our own lives, even so, many people are contrary to many things, except they don't see the devil in the contradiction. A lot of people, the Bible says he disguises himself. He is a wolf in sheep's clothing. He is one who hides, and the greatest deception that he has done upon the earth is making man think that he doesn't exist. If you think that the devil is not in the details of what is taking place in your life, you have been blinded and confused. So I know that he is a uh, a tremendous arch enemy of the work of God. Even yesterday as I was watching this event, uh, the return there in our nation's capital, uh, when they interviewed Colonel Oliver North, 
which is a tremendous man of God and a man who stands to fight the battles of the Lord, uh, a man of wisdom, he says that the enemy is out there doing his work. The manifestations of the work of Satan is one that many times we want to, to point at a man, we want to point at a situation, we want to create a villain, but the Bible clearly says that our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. And so today I want to tell you, and I want to tell you personally, individually, that you direct your efforts in the direction of he who is your true enemy that keeps you away from the purpose and the, the fulfillment of God's calling for your life. And so if you were ever to call out upon God and say, God, help me and defend me against the one who sets a great ambush, because that's how the devil works. We're going to see later on that he's like a lion who roams about seeking to devour. And you never see a lion just walking about showing himself. He's always in a, a stature of a predatory uh, position. He, he is very stealth and secretive upon his approach until he launches his attack and very few are able to be delivered. So let's start out by reading Psalm 59, verse 1, where David directs his voice to God and says, God, deliver me from my enemies. Lord, free me from those things that keep me back from the things that you have for me. There are so many people that have so many... Um, uh, cartoonish characterizations of who the devil is and see the devil doesn't come with a little horn a pitchfork and a a a pointy tail no he he might come with the distraction of keeping you occupied from the things of God whatever it takes he will take the form of that which causes you to miss God and he does a wonderful job upon the earth bringing deception and deceiving men in the wrong direction. So you can say, God, deliver me from my enemies. And Lord, defend me from those who rise up against me. Remember, the devil is he who is an adversary, which means he is against you. Now, a lot of people want to embrace the devil and says, I feel sorry for the devil because he wasn't given a second chance. And they try to um, befriend the thoughts of the evil one. Uh, years ago, I would tell a young man, don't ever cry on the devil's shoulder because his embrace is a death nail. He wants to take you with him where he's headed. And the Bible tells us where the devil is headed. He's headed to the lake of fire. We're going to read that in just a second. Verse 2 says, deliver me from those who practice wrongdoing. 
When you do things that are wrong, the workers of iniquity, the ones that are not walking according to God, iniquity is me, myself, and I. I do what I want, where I want, when I want. My friend, you're not serving the Lord when you're in that proposition. You are serving yourself. And so the psalmist says, save me from men that are like these bloodthirsty men. Verse 3, look, they lie in wait. They are hiding, but they are stealthily approaching to take my life. The mighty enemies gather against me, not for something I've done wrong, nor for my sin, O Lord. Verse 4, they run and set themselves against me, though there is no guilt, there's no fault in me. Uh, the devil is... is purpose to take you down to distract you to keep you away from God awake God to help me and behold verse 5 you O Lord of hosts the God of Israel arise to punish all nations spare no one and do not be merciful to anyone who um, is involved in a wicked transgression do not show your loving kindness to those that are walking with the devil. Verse 6, they return at evening, they howl and snarl like dogs and go prowling around the city. Verse 7, look how they belch out with their insults in their mouth. Look how their words are constantly contrary to God's word. Swords are in their lips for they say we're not accountable to what we say. We're not accountable. The word devil means one who speaks unlike God, one who speaks doubly. He speaks one thing, but he means another. Verse 8 says, you will laugh, O Lord. You scoff at and deride all nations. The, devil wa the, the Lord wants to find out who the devil and his team is because God is set against them. You never want to find yourself in disobedience and rebellion because you stand against God. The Bible says there that they walk about as if no one listens to what they say. Verse 9, oh God, you're my strength. I will watch for you to show up for you are my defense. This God wants to show you how to overcome the devil. He wants to show you how to live a life where the devil has nothing on you. The night they came looking for Jesus, he says, the prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing on me. He hasn't been able to cause me to fall in his pit or in his trap, snare or offense. Verse 10, my God in his loving kindness will meet me. God will let me look triumphantly. I will see the desires on my enemies. They're not going to overcome. They're not going to be victorious. What the devil has planned for my life is not going to come to pass because the Lord has shown me how to overcome the influence of this presence in my life. Verse 11, do not kill them or my people will forget. 
Scatter them and make them wander back and forth by your power and bring them down. You, Lord, are my shield. The Lord knows how to rise up and scatter the enemies in our lives. Verse 12, for the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips, let them even be trapped in their pride and on the account of the curses and the lies which they tell. This is the devil is always misrepresenting the character of God. He's always making God to look out as the bully whenever the devil tries to create in your heart a stature of unfairness. You know he's at work to ensnare you. And that's why forgiveness is so powerful. That's why not falling in his trap, not allowing him to lead you in the way you should go. We're going to see how he captures the emotions of men to create destruction. He captures the mindset, the, the will of man to walk contrary to God. And so as the psalmist is saying, Lord, make sure that you are set against my enemies. Verse 16, as for me, I will sing of your power. I will sing of your mercy every morning. I'm not going to be caught up in my emotions. I will raise up God before my circumstance, before my situation, I'm not going to characterize flesh and blood as my issue because I wrestle not in the natural. I know it's the devil. And Lord, you have been my defense and my refuge every time I'm up against the opposition. Every time the devil creates confusion and chaos, I ride above it because I will acknowledge that God will deliver me while many people will stay in 1 John chapter 5 verse 19 this this powerful verse that says that those that do not see clearly they are under the sway of the wicked one we know that we are of God we know our standing the devil has nothing on us. I love reading uh, Romans 16, 20 because it shows you where the devil belongs. The devil belongs under our feet because the God of peace will crush Satan. See, um, he doesn't become an overpowering, overwhelming presence. The Bible says that when you walk with God in the peace of God, Satan will be crushed under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. That's the very last verse in the book of Romans. And so uh, make sure that the devil has a proper standing in your life. Where is that? Under your feet. Make sure you're riding above Every while of the evil one. Uh, let's read that again. 1 John 5.19. Because it says that those that don't have a clear understanding of the ambush of Satan. The way he approaches to destroy man. He says the whole world. You see everybody running in, in many directions. Even 
fulfilling the embodiment of the devil's desire. People don't even know that the devil is using them in a wicked manner. Why? Because the whole world, the nations of the earth are under, instead of the devil being under their feet, he is deceiving them, he's bringing them darkness, and they lie under the sway of the wicked one. Um, In other words, they're in the trance. They're, They're in a mindset that is consistent with one of the names given to the devil, the wicked one, Satan, the 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 devil Ephesians 6:12 says like this we're not to be uh, engaged in a a wrestling against flesh and blood don't in don't personify don't don't impersonate um, the consequence and cause of things in your life because of so and so and so and so make sure that you stand against the devil and his schemes Because you're not wrestling against flesh and blood, um, don't allow the devil to embody somebody in your inner sphere and you be fighting against flesh and blood. But the Bible says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness. Of this age against spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. We've come into homes and we've seen them disrupted in a marriage, disrupted in a family, and we have commanded the devil to get out. And all of a sudden there's peace in that home. It's not the husband's fault. It's not the wife's fault. It's not the children's fault. It's Satan that's disrupting the peace, bringing chaos and divorce and division dissension contention rivalry things that are discord things that are consistent with the falling apart of things so if you have the clarity of understanding his capacity for a great ambush you begin to prepare to fight adequately against these principalities and powers and the bible says putting on the armor of god so that you could withstand his wiles I want to show you that the devil cannot function properly unless he embodies somebody and he doesn't have a physical body so he he needs to borrow a body from someone could I come inside of you and speak through you could I come inside of you and think treacherously could I come inside of you and have an influence upon the earth. And we see this in Matthew 8.31. Where the Jesus shows up. And there the demons beg him saying. If you cast us out of this man. He was demon possessed. These demons were inside a person. Causing much distress in the community. The demons asked Jesus, permit us to go into this herd of swine. Allow us to go into the pigs. Because demons love to embody people because that's the way they do their destruction. Make sure that you're embodied by the Holy Spirit. Make sure that it is the presence of God that is thinking your thoughts. 
because there's a wisdom that doesn't come from heaven. It comes from below. And it is sinister and wicked and earthly and demonic. You don't want to think like the devil thinks. You don't want to speak into a situation like the devil would have you speak. When, he, when they beg to be cast into the pigs, cast out of the man, permit us to go into the pigs. In verse 32, you see what the end product is of a demon of the devil being in your life. So he said, go, and they had come out, and they went into the herd of swine, and suddenly the whole herd of all these pigs ran violently down a steep hill into the ocean, and they drowned in the water. You see that the devil's leading in your life is what it says in John 10.10. The devil comes only to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Isn't that amazing? John 10.10. Where the enemy cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You see the disintegration of family. You see the fragmentation of marriage. You see the destruction of the church. You see uh, all manner of of things that are inappropriate, this comes from the thief. Jesus has come that we might have life and that we have it more abundantly. It's super powerful that we would understand the adversary, which is the devil, which is Satan, the serpent of old, his uh, consistent desire to ambush. Super important. He never comes out and says, I'm the devil and I want to destroy you. It's always a subtle influence in the wrong direction over a great big cliff, over a hill that comes down to the ocean to be drowned and perish. The devil's insight in this regard is seen in Job 1 verse 7. If you're ever influenced by the devil, you can never take part in a family, a church, or in the kingdom of God because he is constantly roaming. He never has particularity with regards to family, to church, and to the kingdom of God. The Lord said to Satan, where are you coming from? And Satan answered, from doing whatever I want, Wherever I want, with whomever I want, I'm accountable to nobody. A lot of people call this liberty. Well, I'm free to go as I please. No, my friend, you're free to be enslaved by self. And one of the fruits of the Spirit of God is self-control. When you don't have self-control, you cannot stop from doing your own pleasure. You cannot deny yourself. You cannot submit, obey. You cannot walk in the disciplines of family and church. You are ungovernable. That shows you that you're being influenced by the nature of hell. You have become a son of disobedience. You're walking to and fro like the devil does. From going to and coming back from every corner of the earth. Walking back and forth on it. You know what that is the definition of? 
an orphan. An orphan has no direction because he has no father. Because he's not walking in the instruction of family. And so the nature of Satan is self-centered and selfish. The Bible says that um, John chapter 8 verse 44, Jesus says to these great leaders in his day, you belong to your father, the devil. The devil has children. Who are they? The rebellious, the disobedient, the ones who don't know how to do family, the ones who cannot conform to the church, the ones who cannot deny themselves the desires of your father you want to do. He infuses you with the lewdness and the lust of hell. You, have, you belong to the father, the devil. You're being brought up in the rebellious mindset of the disobedient family doing the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning. All he knows how to do is bring death. There's no life in him. He does not stand in truth because there's no truth in him. Constantly speaking lies because he speaks from his own resources. He is a liar and the father of all lies. So if you're going to come up against the devil, if you're going to uh, be delivered from his great ambush, you're going to walk in truth. And the Bible says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's not walking in your sentiment, feelings, desires, lust, for that is what he tries to infuse the whole of creation. So when Paul was speaking to the church and saying, listen, I want you to be able to overcome this ruler of the power of the air. His influence is always in the atmosphere. You would have to tune into him to be deceived, to be lied, to be destroyed. But Paul says, I am jealous, 2 Corinthians eleven two, with a divine jealousy for you. I'm, I'm so concerned about your life like God would be concerned, for I have made sure that you are engaged to one husband. You don't have many lovers. You have Christ. I have betrothed you to one husband. You should seek the desire of one husband. There is all manner of women that cannot be married because they don't how to cater to the consistency of one. I was just listening to the testimony of a woman who was Miss Universe. And she says, I can't find my husband. And she can't find her husband because there's too many men on the landscape. She's not devoted to one. She's not concentrating on one. She has made sure she's catering to several. And Paul says that I might present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Why is Paul concerned about the church keeping its focus upon Christ like a chaste virgin? Verse 3, because I fear that somehow Satan will deceive you. As the, Satan ser uh, uh, the serpent deceived Eve, 
because of his craftiness. The devil in his great ambush is cunning and crafty. He says, I fear, I'm concerned lest somehow, just like the, certain, uh, the serpent uh, deceived Eve, your minds may be corrupted. Your emotions might suffer and be distracted and distanced from the simplicity that is in Christ. Not the complexity, not the sophistication, not the many affairs, but one thing you should desire. I, I live for the honor of Christ. I want to please him above all things. And then he says, don't be confused. Just like the devil and his multiplicity. Um, we, we use the word duplicity, double-mindedness. You, you can't serve Christ here. You can't change the world here. You can't be part of spring of life. You can't be part of anything because there's duplicity in your heart. Where I was, I was telling a young girl the other day, she kept on telling her parents, I want to go. I want to go. I said, come here. If you don't stay here, you are never in the place where you're at. If you do not conform to the place God has put you, you, you can't enjoy your family because you're thinking about being somewhere else. You can't enjoy your church because you're always somewhere else. If you're somewhere else, you're never at the place where you have been placed. So I told the young girl, don't want to leave here too quickly because when you go to the next place, you'll do the same thing. And then you never have roots to flourish and to be fruitful in the place God has placed you. Because you're always wanting to be at a different place at a different time. You're like the waves of the sea. You're like clouds without water. You are like autumn trees that are dead and pulled up by the root. You're not giving forth fruit in the place God has put you. Because there's purpose there. And he says in verse 4, uh, I, I fear that you start believing in a some other, for if anyone comes and preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, you start believing in something that you have not been taught. Or you received a different spirit. You're walking in a different spirit than the one you have received. Or you've even embraced a different gospel. That has to be a very complex deception. You're no longer embraced to the same Jesus you were introduced to. You're not filled with the same spirit you were given. And you do not proclaim the gospel that was passed down. You have been deceived. The devil has ambushed you and stripped you of the things God has given you. So we're talking about the capacity the devil has to cause your emotions to be led away from God. Here it is. The example is Matthew chapter 16 verse 22. As Peter takes Jesus to a side and he rebukes him and he tells him, Lord... Be it far from you that you should go to the cross. 
this should not happen to you. And so Peter now is, is headed in the wrong direction. He's missed the entirety of the purpose of God. Verse 23, Jesus turns to him and says, Peter, he says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block. You're causing me to trip. You are a snare. For you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. There's a lot to unpack in this verse here. Number one, Satan is able to embody a man and a follower of Christ. When he puts his thoughts on earthly pursuit, when he measures things on an emotional basis, uh, Peter was saying, Jesus, don't go to the cross. Far be it from you. Don't fulfill this purpose. And Jesus quickly uh, interprets the devil is bringing a message into my life that's not consistent with the call of God. It's not spiritual. It's carnal. It's not godly. It's earthly. You're mindful not of the things of God, but you are walking in the flesh. A lot of people say, well, I don't, I don't know when the devil's working. Listen, if you continue to do things in the flesh, you perfect the character of Satan. The inability to walk in self-control, which is a fruit of the Spirit. When you're not able to govern your thoughts and your words and your actions, and the devil has access to move you in a soulish plane. We're going to see this quickly. He's able to take you in a direction that is not consistent with the spiritual call of God upon your life. He takes you in the direction of a emotional existence. First Peter chapter 5 verse 8. Be alert, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, he is walking about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Uh, this verse is for the wise. The devil seeks whose life he could come into to bring his chaos and destruction. We say the work of Satan is tohu and bohu. He brings things out of order and depletes them to be empty. That was the condition of the earth at the beginning of creation. But here the Bible is saying be sober, be watchful, because the devil like a lion, is seeking whom he may devour. And you say, well, pastor, how is the devil coming to my life? Verse 9, through your anxiety, be anxious about nothing. Resist him steadfastly. Stand, stand firm in faith, knowing that other people in the earth are suffering. See, when... When you get out of a personal mindset and become family-oriented, the devil can't get in your life. If you, if you fight the devil on the premise of the herd, he can't isolate you to destroy you. 
The Bible says in this regard, uh, verse 7, be careful with your anxiety and your cares for this life. Cast them all upon the Lord. Because that is the, that is the area where the devil is able to entangle you in the concerns of your life. If, if the devil keeps your thoughts stayed upon you, you're easily destroyed. If the devil has you thinking, me, myself, and I, a selfish, a self-centered existence. Look what they did to me. You know what they said about me. You know what they're doing to me. My friend, you just made out the framework for a habitation. You made your bed. Now you have to sleep in it. And there it is in James 3, 16. When there's selfish ambition, wherever there's envy, you're looking for yourself, your self-seeking existence. There, the devil's able to create confusion and the presence of the devil is there. You can see this in families that are destroyed. You see this in marriages that are destroyed. You see these in the people that try to partake in the church and are destroyed. How could you be destroyed while you're a part of something indestructible? When you start being self-centered, when you stop thinking about others, when you no longer think about the brethren. The Bible says that when the brethren are together, God commands blessing and eternal life. But when you isolate yourself and the devil has you stinking thinking, stuck on stupid you're just thinking about me, myself, and I, my life, my world, my thoughts, my words. All this is the embodiment of Satan himself who has no capacity to think on others. As you think upon others, 1 Peter 5, 9 says, Remember that all the brethren and sisters throughout the world are going through the same experience. We're called of God to overcome the evil one. We're called of God to walk in God's pleasure. We're called upon God to fulfill his purpose upon the earth. In John 13, verse 2, we have the, the Lord's Supper. Everybody's sitting there at the Lord's Supper, but there is one man that's thinking about himself, is Judas. And the Bible says that supper being ended, the devil already had access to the heart of Judas to betray Christ. How could a follower of Christ become an instrument of the devil? Because Judas had all manner of thoughts on how to betray the Lord, how to um, accept the 30 pieces of silver, how to betray him with a kiss, how to... Um, bring him to the leaders that would crucify him. It was all about his thoughts and none about the Lord's. Acts chapter 5 verse 3, we have another example. Peter said to Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? You're part of the church. You're a member of the church. You've sold a piece of property to bring it to the kingdom of God. How come the devil was, had access to, to fill your heart so that you would lie to the Holy Spirit. 
that you would keep back part of the price of the land for yourselves and the consequence of Satan having filled her heart and the heart of her husband was that she would fall prostrate, dead under the judgment of the devil in her heart and in their life. See that the devil when he's doing a work in our, in our lives, it's all emotional. It's all considered our feelings. Um, whenever we're angry or upset, we're fertile ground for the devil to fill our hearts in a direction contrary to God. The devil will find an opportunity to enter your heart for evil purposes that have to do with your downfall. Use the word of God to take care of the inventory of your moods, your emotions, your grudges. Get hurt feelings out of your life because they will lead to habitual destructive conduct. The devil can use these things to slowly erode the character of Christ and lead you in a direction you never thought you would go. You will be ultimately led in a direction to turn away from God and his purposes. Ephesians 6.16, the Bible says he constantly looks for opportunity to throw his fiery darts. He says, above all, take your shield of faith. Be able to walk and think like God. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. And you quench the fiery darts of the evil one when you do not allow his narrative to have conversation with you. Do not converse in a depressed sentiment in this life because the devil will wrap you up and take you down. We see the devil's concentration in the last days in Revelations 12, verse 8. There he is, verse 4. And the dragon, the serpent, Satan, he was standing before the woman who was ready to give birth. And his attention was deliberately to devour the child as soon as it was born. The devil is not concerned with politics. He's not concerned with things upon the earth. His attention is who is about to be birthed by the church to be taken up to God. He's trying to find out who is taking God serious. And his attention is to devour these people before they are birthed and before they're taken up to be with God. I want to encourage you tonight, today, that the devil knows his end. Revelations 20 verse 10. The devil is about to be cast into the lake of fire. His end is to be destroyed. Where the beast and the false prophet are. And there in hell, they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. The devil is about to lose upon the earth. And he knows, the Bible says, his time is limited. It's coming to an end. And in this day, 
He's trying to bring as many people to his confusion as possible. It was an illustration given to me recently that talked about how the devil called a worldwide convention of all his workers and demons. In the opening of his address to the demons, he said, we can't keep Christians from going to church. We can't keep them from reading their Bibles and knowing the truth, but we can't even keep them from biblical values. But we can do something. We can keep them from having an intimate, continual relationship with Christ. Let's get them busy in doing many things but walking with the Lord. If they connect with the Lord, our power over them will be broken. So let them go to church. Let them have Christian lifestyles, but steal their time so they do not become close to Jesus Christ. This is what I want you to do, he told the demons. Distract Christians from gaining hold of their Savior. Distract them so they do not maintain a vital connection with him. And the demons asked, how shall we do this? Keep them busy with non-essentials of life. Invest unnumbered schemes to occupy their minds. Tempt them to spend time, to spend, to spend, to borrow, to borrow. Convince them to work six and seven days a week, 10 and 12 hours a day, so that they can afford their lifestyles. Keep them from spending time with their families, their children, their wives. Soon their homes will be no escape to the pressures of life. Overstimulate their minds so they cannot hear the still small voice of the Lord. Entice them to play their radio, their CDs, whenever they drive, to keep TV, DVD, and their CDs going constantly, for their coffee tables to be filled with magazines and newspapers. Pound their minds with news 24 hours a day. Invade their driving moments with billboards. Flood their mailboxes and email with junk mail, sweepstakes of every kind, newsletters, promotions, advertisements. Even in their recreation, let them be excessive. Have them return from their holidays exhausted and disquieted and unprepared for the coming week. And when they gather for their spiritual fellowship, involve them in gossip and small talk. So they have their souls unfulfilled. Let them be involved in all matter of religious activity. Crowd their lives with many good causes. So they have no time to spend with Christ. Soon they will be working in their own strength and sacrifice their health. They will destroy the family unit for the good of the cause. It was quite a convention, and the demons went eagerly to their assignments, and the devil was successful in his schemes. He has brought Christians to be critical and tired and worn out, burned out in religion. 
Jesus said these words in Matthew eleven twenty eight: Come to me. The great ambush of Satan is to keep you away from the Lord. Come to me, all you who are tired and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Verse 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Satan's ambush covers a broad range of activity. And his attack is upon your mind and your emotions. His desire is to bring you down away from the purpose of God. He wants to entrap you in three areas which he entrapped Eve in the garden. The Bible says it's the lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh and the pride of life. If he's able to engage you in these three areas, you will miss the love of the Father. We see this in 1 John 2.16. You will miss God entirely. You will walk in the cravings of the flesh. You will indulge in the desires of the soul. But you will miss out on the love of the Father for all that is in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. As we're moving forward in the next couple of days here, we're going to be careful that the devil does not have us in his grip. If he destroys your access to the Lord, he destroys your fellowship with the saints, he destroys the priority of God's call upon your life, you're just easy prey to the devil. The devil has been successful as a predator. He's been successful in distracting you from the call of God. Genesis 3, 6 says, The woman saw the tree. Her eyes were not upon the God who created the tree, who was the source of all her provisions, but she saw the tree that it was good for provision. That it was pleasant to the eyes. And that the tree was desirable to make her wise. And she took its fruit and she gave it to her husband that was with her and he ate. I want to encourage you in these days that you not be distracted in doubt, in fear, in evil thoughts and depression but that you might be able to walk in the power of God that overcomes the evil one. That you might be able to place your eyes upon Christ. That you might be able to be delivered from the wiles of the evil one. That you not be part of his destruction in the last days. Father, I give you thanks this day that you have made. I give you thanks for the church of Jesus Christ. I give you thanks that the you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Father, I pray that those men and women, my family included, my sons, my daughter, my wife, would be attentive to not give an opportunity to the devil in their lives. That they might walk in wisdom, redeeming the time because the days are evil. That our enemies and adversaries and those against us are not to be distracted in people and situation and circumstance 
but that we would know that the devil stands against our marriage, against our family, and against our church to disconnect, to distance, and to destroy. So I pray, Father God, that we might prevail against him, that we be more than overcomers by the blood of the lamb, by the word of our testimony, and because we are not self-centered, but we love not our lives even to the point of death. Father, I pray that the church is encouraged with these words, that they would be focused, vigilant, alert against the enemy who seeks people to devour. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's been there at the beginning at the garden, and in Matthew chapter 4, he was there tempting Jesus with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And he will attempt to do that in our lives also. So, Father, I pray that soon he be crushed underneath our feet by the God of peace. Remove confusion, remove contention, and remove every argument that comes against the knowledge of Christ. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but spiritual in devouring all the work of Satan in our lives. And we pray, Father God, that you be glorious and that your church would be overcoming and that we might withstand in the evil day. In Jesus' name we pray and the house of God says, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. Keep meditating on this word. Listen to it several times and make sure that the devil has no part in your life and that he's not able to bring his confusion, chaos, and destruction. I love you, and we'll be seeing each other on Wednesday. We're praying for God's deliverance now in the last days. Soon we're going to be together again, and we'll be a mighty force to contend against. I want to go ahead and play this song that's called God, Earth is Calling. Let's listen to this, to this song real quick, and we'll finish with this song earth to God. Earth to God Come in God I know you're there hearing our prayers wherever you are We need you now to send your love the pain in your holy name we ask this now we need your light we need your love to heal the world you made and save us now in our darkest hour with your amazing grace earth to God we're holding on All close to the Holy Ghost.
to God, come in God.